Hello and welcome to another episode of the Counter Option Podcast with Joe. Go Big Red. And Tyler here, Boomer Sooner. A lot has happened since our last episode. Yeah, a whole lot. Got yeah. some coaching changes. A lot of players have entered the portal. Um, a lot of discussions around NIL. We're going to do our best to go over all of that. I feel like the best place to start, though, was with Harbaugh leaving Michigan to go to the Chargers. Yeah, we both kind of saw that happening. It oh, was, yeah. It was, writing was on the wall there. I think the biggest move with that Harbaugh move was him taking Jesse Minner with him. But I did see today that Sharon ended up going and getting uh, Wink Martindale to be his defensive coordinator. Saw that this morning. Okay. And that who is Wink? Wink used to be the Baltimore Ravens D coordinator. I am like with that move. I am legitimately gonna say I think it puts Michigan back in a national title picture with that defense that they have. Yeah, I mean Sharon Moore. You've already got the continuity there. They're doing a good job of trying to keep it all together. And I'll say, I don't think I've seen at least any notable guys from their team enter the transfer portal after Harbaugh leaving. No, which is a big sign. I don't think it was more. Uh, I don't think it was more about Harbaugh leaving. I think it was more of the trust that they have in more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason that they're staying. They did lose quite a few guys. You know, they did lose McCarthy. I, I don't know how big of an impact that's going to be. He, he's graduation, right? He's graduating. He's going to go pro, but that's I don't know how big of an impact. Like you, watch him play, and it's like okay, he's dinking and dunking and throwing 150 yards a game. Is that you can replace that? That's you can, a that's yeah. a replaceable thing. You're just asking him to manage a game. But the big one that they're the big ones that they're losing are the Zach Zinner, the All American guard, the uh, Blake Corum. Probably the best running back. We talked about that last well, time. But <clears throat> best running big back. reason for their success this year. Yeah, and there's and and Mike San Sanistrell, their their big time safety in the back that was their valve. When things broke down, the guy ended up making the last a line of defense. Yeah, he made a lot of plays for him. So you have to replace those positions. It, you know, they get Donovan Edwards coming back. They get a couple. They get a couple. Uh, they get a couple corners and a couple D linemen coming back but I mean it's nothing nothing too too substantial where it's going to be you know we're good for next year mm-hmm. and there's just a lot there's a lot they still have to rebuild on who's their quarterback we don't know are they there are they going to portal it we don't know it's true I mean I, I, feel, I feel like yeah, I don't know what their backups are like who's coming in in the wings and I, who's out there available right now I mean, the only one that I would go after that has Big Ten experience is Talia, Talia. Tonga, Tonga Viola, Tua's brother. Played at uh, Maryland. Is he staying at Maryland? No. He's, he's in no, the portal. No, he's in the portal. He <clears throat> jumped in. That would be, to me, that would be an interesting one. However, I don't know what he's thinking, and he may want to go to the SEC and try that out just like Tua did. Or he may end up at like a Miami or something like that. I mean, Big Ten's just as good. As SEC, I mean, it's like if you're yeah. in one of those conferences, I think the NFL is going to look at you different. But I mean, I between SEC and yeah. Big Ten, you're splitting hairs. Well, they're, yeah, they're both they're essentially the same conference. They have the same caliber of programs. They have the mm-hmm. same caliber of pro, uh, players, and they also 
you know, they they just play really good football. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a garbage garbage team in that conference, you're playing pretty good football. It's true. Um, I'm going next here. So, I mean, I, I think we both agree that things should be running at a high level, even without Harbaugh gone yeah. at Michigan. Probably going to take a step back. I mean, out there's so many other teams. Like it's Alabama. I think they're they're obviously going to take a step back too. Are they going to be good? I absolutely. I was talking I to so, an Alabama but... fan I th- a week week and a half ago, and they said that they're going to give Kalen DeBoer a year. And I was like, y'all, y'all are crazy. a year. Yeah, I'm like, you guys are crazy. You can't even establish a culture. No. In like an off season, it's so hard. It takes a, it takes two and a half, like I was saying, to really kind of get the gauge on it. But then if you're going to fire him after a year, who's going to take that job then? Nobody. Because it, it's it's just like the old no. it's yeah. the old time thing of like, oh, you didn't go to the playoff. You're fired. They'll make the playoff. They'll make the playoff. Will they get to the finals? Probably not, but they'll, they're still going to make the playoff. Well, if you're firing him after one year and it's like already this built in, it's just like, well, he was hired just as a buffer so that you could go on to the next guy and there's a little bit of separation from Saban. <clears throat> Which isn't fair to him. He he made it to the national championship last year. I think that he deserves a shot at it. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> of course. But so. like even if you go look at take a look at the, the names that were linked to the Michigan job though. There's some heavy hitters on that though. Outside mm-hmm. of the, the Sharon and the Minner and the Mike Hart that were already on the team. Mm-hmm. Like they're looking at like Lance Leipold from KU. And now mm-hmm. what imagine if he were to leave KU to take that Michigan job? That's a giant blow to that program for what he has done there, right? And then you look at like Kleiman, same thing with K with Kansas State. Mm -hmm. It's it's that way as well too. Uh, The big ones that like the NFL names that came through, like the Todd Monkins and the Mike McDonalds. The McDonald, of course, he's going to be linked to it because he was a D coordinator there, and Monkin, of course, was the OC at Georgia for a few years when they just destroyed people down there. Mm That was kind of that. The interesting names that showed up. One of them was Matt Campbell. Yeah. <clears throat> I like Matt Campbell because he's silently a really great coach with what he's given. He doesn't he's in a he's in a recruiting dead zone in mm-hmm. Ames, and that's not really an easy place to recruit. But and he he's co- got like one of the best defensive coordinators. Yes. Was it Hancock? Hecock? Peacock, something I mean, like that. Whatever his name is, he's really good. Mm-hmm. They they coach those boys up and mm-hmm. they play really really well. Brian Kelly was there. I we talked about that last time. I don't th- I didn't think it would be a good fit for him. Uh, Fickle in Wisconsin. I mean he's only he there just a year. Started at Wisconsin. Yeah, it's hard to know. Now here's the interesting. The the next two are the interesting ones. Mm-hmm. Dave Clawson from Wake Forest. Okay. If you've seen what he's done in Wake Forest. Yeah. He's done a really great job. Like, he was at Bowling Green and won a ton of games there. Granted, it was probably after Urban left and left that cupboard kind of full for him. But he continued on and went to Wake and did just as well. Those offenses have been high-powered. Oh, yeah. Those defenses, they've been pretty good, too, but never matched the offense, in my opinion. The name's escaping me at the moment. The quarterback that transferred to Notre Dame. Hartman. Hartman. So he was there for Hartman? Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, yeah. Sam Hartman was throwing that ball around the yard there and looked really, really, really good. <clears throat> and then he went to Notre Dame in a more pro style, and you kind of saw a muted Sam Hartman. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to see him throw the ball more, but 
Yeah. You can't do much about it. I mean, he was an exciting player of at Wake Forest. Now, PJ from Minnesota was on that list. Sure. I kind of thought that would have been a great fit for PJ after I, reading I it. I kind of felt like him, because where was he at before? Eastern Michigan? Western Michigan. Western Michigan? Yeah. It never felt like Minnesota was like his last stop. Like, this is no. the next step up, and then... So, yeah, somewhere like Michigan would have made sense to me if they would have taken him. I mean, he definitely rode the boat. You know, mm-hmm. that's his thing is row the, the boat. boat. Like, it's like get in the boat and help row it or get mm-hmm. off it because if you're not, you're not going to be a part of our culture. It's You're not going to be here. And that's a big thing for a coach like that. Mm-hmm. But PJ's the interesting one. I mean, I watch what's happening at USC with with Riley, and they are saying he's on the hot seat. I could see a PJ going down to USC in that area and maybe turning that around. I was going to say, do you think it works in that, in LA? I don't know. Huh? The, the thing that I don't know, you don't know until you try it, right? But the big thing that I do know is, is he always says he's had a culture that beats talent, right? I, and yeah. it's hard, it's very hard to sit there and say, if he brings in a very solid culture, that he couldn't do that. Sure, but it's yeah, and then it's about trying to convince the five stars to play like a a three star that you know it's not being appreciated and like you got to go out and give it your all every play kind of thing. Well, I think you go and develop those, which Saban could do. Yeah, like it can yeah. be done. But I also think yeah. you go out there and you you blend in a bunch of three stars with a couple five stars. Uh-huh. And you get them on the field, and you realize that maybe a three star is a five star talent. Oh yeah. However, they just they development. Just, yeah, development, or they played on a on a poor high school team, and mm-hmm. their high school team wasn't very good, and they were over undershadowed by a poor quarterback. Mm-hmm. It could be something as, as small as that. We don't know, right? Now There's the one name left. Yes, the one name that was left that really had me crap in my pants was <laughs> was Matt Rule and. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I wouldn't have blamed him if it did. I mean, Rule's a great coach. I mean, he's it just building a great foundation there, and it would have taken the wind right out of the sails in Nebraska. Yes. So, like, I'm glad for you yeah. that that did not happen. Yeah, that makes two of us. Yeah. But, like, I watched as I scrolled down, and I saw Matt Rule, and the wind left my lungs, <laughs> and I was like, no. Do not let this happen. <laughs> Just don't. And it's not not the homer pick of the whole thing because he's my football coach, but I saw what he did in a year. And I've seen some of the stuff that he's done behind the scenes. And if you were to lose that, I don't even know who you go get. Like that's mm-hmm. the problem is like would you go get a PJ Fleck? But I don't think mm-hmm. anybody would even I don't think they would open arms to him. No. With what the drama he created with him and Frost, I don't think that would have been a good move for PJ. Yeah. But, like, I've we've sat and we've waited for a coach like Rule to come through for years. What I love, he's, like, high integrity. Because, you know, in the back of my brain, you're talking about coaches that might have been available if, if Rule did jump shit. Like, you could go do an Urban Meyer, but I'm like, that's not Nebraska. No, it? no, it's not. And, like, you're, you're chasing a name at that point. Mm-hmm. You know... If you were to move on from a rule, the only person, the only two people I should say that I'd feel so happy with 
would be a Kleiman or, or a Leopold. But I'm sorry, KU and K-State. He's not on the same... They're not on the same level as Rule. No. They really aren't. He's such a... Well, he's got NFL experience now. Yes, but he's... Proven that he can turn programs around. And he's very charismatic. He's and charismatic. Like, he's charismatic with the press. He loves the university. You'll... I, I think you hear him... He goes to all the wrestling events. He loves them. It's one of his favorite things is wrestling. You know, he goes and does that. And then next thing you know, he's at a track event or he's at a girls' basketball game. He's at a girls' volleyball game. He's at a tennis match. He's at a, a golf outing for the, for the school. He just genuinely loves the college experience and kind of the kids that are there. Well, that's great. I mean, you, you want that kind of ambassador as your head yeah. coach. Well, it makes every everything better mm-hmm. because it's your major money thing, and it's your major money sport in football. Mm-hmm. And if every, but he's it, showing support he's for show, all the yeah, other programs. he's showing support for everyone else, so they feel supported. Mm-hmm. And that I'm not saying it didn't happen in the past, but we don't know. And to hear he's there or he's and he's taking all the recruits with him to these games when they come in, that's a big thing. It's a big thing, and the, Nebraska's got great programs other than their football too. So oh, like, yeah. it it makes a great recruiting visit, so you can take them to the basketball or a baseball game or something of that sort. Yeah, even track wrestling. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it it doesn't matter. Just just having that guy that's willing to be like, let's go to a game. I don't want to sit at home. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know that that's big. That's huge. Well, that's huge. I guess we can rest assured that Rule's going to be there at least for another year, which he's building it up. He's going to be there longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like we always, we, we're just talking about, you know, Michigan here, but we're also look at the other teams that had their, uh, their changes, such as like Alabama. They lost like a Caleb Downs. They lost, lost the Caleb Downs to Ohio State. They lost another. Quarterback recruit that they got, Jalen Sayrin or whatever his name is. Mm. Yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Alabama's been having tons of. Yeah, and they they flipped out of there and they've lost. Who was that wide receiver? Who went to Texas? Are, are, oh, uh, Bond. Yeah, Bond. They're big. Yeah. They're big one. Bond. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a that was a big one. You know, I mean, everybody was saying Caleb Downs was the dude. Like that was a, a massive. He's the safety that went to Ohio yeah, State, right? Yeah. yeah, and he's going to he he's a, a five star safety mm-hmm. that I guess started he, as a true freshman and in Alabama, yeah. and yeah. he's going to be in a top five defense next mm-hmm. year in Ohio State. I mean, that scares a lot of people in the in the Big Ten, but we don't even know if he's going to play well with those kids that are there. It's true. You, you don't know. Know, you don't know if it's all going to work there. I mean, Ohio State does obviously have a proven track record, but yeah. we don't. I've seen A and M. You know, I've seen big money thrown at players and it not work. So. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like, look, they have like, if you see who they recruited, they got Kasarin's a, uh, he's a freshman, so he basically backed out of his pledge and went to Ohio State. But they also got Air Noland there. Mm-hmm. They got Will Howard out of the portal. Right, like they're they've got a loaded quarterback room. What what's gonna happen in a year when one of those guys is like, I'm out because I want to play. And it's That's gonna, gonna happen. It's going to happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Like you, yeah, you want five <clears> or six <throat> quarterbacks, but are you? They all gonna get reps? No, 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 no. Not even in practice are you gonna get reps. It's just a waste of their time, you know. 
Yeah, they're going to be looking for an opportunity if they're not getting it there. So Yeah, and that's just <clears throat> that's the big thing. But, like, I talked last time about how I thought Will Rogers was going to go to Alabama and mm-hmm. he's staying at Washington. It's a big That's a big deal for that, Washington. For Washington, yeah. that they got a starting quarterback with experience there, and that's a big deal for them. So, like, hats off to them, right? I, I think it's going to be great for them. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, do you think Jed Fish can match the success that he had at Arizona? Not year one. Not year one. Not year one. I, I don't – year two might be closer towards the end of the year, but I think year three, you'll see it. I mean, that's what I was going to say with, like, <clears throat> rule. I think this year you're going to start to see some rubber meets the road with yeah. with some of the things that he's put in place. Yeah, bowl game. Bowl game for sure. Even though we talk about bowl games and how they – pretty much don't mean anything anymore which is well with the expanded playoff it's even more so i mean yeah it's just these kids are transferring out sitting out bowl games because they want to go pro and they want to do this they want to do that it's not what it used to be like you got a bowl game you went you went and played the bowl Mm -hmm. game and then you worried about the offseason stuff after that they don't do that anymore those bowl games now don't mean a dang thing nope i don't think i've watched one for three years I mean, the last meaningful one to me that was not like a playoff game or a national championship was 11 years ago. Oh, you played Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. And everybody's like, you know, Alabama's going to beat the crap out of them. And they beat the one. They beat the snot out of them. Oh, you beat the snot out of Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then of course, you know, the argument came, well, Alabama didn't want to be there because it wasn't the national championship and all this. It just sounds like the Georgia fans right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's. You're at the highest point of your your program, and you don't get in, and you find a way to make an excuse of, oh, we lost to we lost to the Alabama team that went to the playoff. Okay, but watch what Alabama did all year before that. They were not that great, right? They didn't even piece it together until almost the last month of the year, right? When they got rolling with it, and it's not, it's not they didn't have the talent. They just had a lot of young kids playing that had had no experience and we're gaining experience it's like in the nfl those rookies don't get better until the last half of the year it's true it takes a long time to adjust to a game because going from college to high going from pro to high school to to college it's a big difference the the game speed's different the scheming is different well, the body sizes are different yeah. right i mean if you're coming out of high school and you're playing up a, against a 300 pound lineman in the sec or the big 10 like yeah you're gonna get pushed around. Yeah, and you're and you're like you're the Sun Belt, and your biggest offensive lineman is two eighty, mm-hmm. which is still a big kid. It's a big kid. But when you're going up against a kid that's three fifteen, three fifteen, yeah. pure muscle, like good luck. You know whether you're whether you're you know on the D line or the O line, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I agree. Well, okay, so we've been talking about the transfers and stuff like that. Nebraska, they've got a few. Yeah, we got a few. Like yeah. we got really good ones, I think, this year. And I think we were very intentional with who they went and got. Because they went and got Isaiah Nair. He was at Texas and Wyoming. Okay. He when he was at Wyoming, he was their number one. And uh he had almost a thousand yards, I think, one of the years. I don't remember freshman year or sophomore year. Had a at re- Wyoming. At or Texas. Wyoming. Okay. Had a really good year, went to Texas, got hurt. 
and his got buried on the death. Got chart, buried, probably. yeah. Got buried, and his and his confidence got shot. So he jumped back in. If they can rebuild his conf, his confidence, that's great. Okay. Uh, Dante Dowdle, that is a big, 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 big get for them. Okay, so this is the one you're liking here. I really do out of Oregon. He, uh, let's put it this way, he came back because Bucky Irving came back. He left because Bucky Irving came back. Had Bucky Irving not have he come back, he would have stayed there and would have had a two running back system. Now, mm-hmm. Rule loves this kind of kid because he's a big bruiser. Okay, and Which he's out of fits his scheme. Yep, he's out of Mississippi. And they want to pair him with, I believe, a Ramir Johnson type or even an Emmett Johnson type who ran really well last year. They just need to have that that fire and ice that they had at USC with Reggie Bush and Rondell White. Oh, man, yeah. Or Lendell White, whatever his name was. So so Dowell's going to be your second half back. Yeah, <clears throat> that's what they're looking for. Yeah, Come in and just, the, the defense is already gassed and they're like, oh, we have to go against this guy who's fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this isn't going to be fun. Yeah, we're leaving with bruises on us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Micah Mazuka, a guard, he went, he was at Baylor, recruited by Rule, played at Baylor, was in the portal last year, was thinking, was between Nebraska and Florida. He went to Florida, and I read somewhere that day one he got to Florida and wished he went to Nebraska because of Rule. Well, I mean, Billy Napier, there's there's issues there at Florida right now. <laughs> there's a lot, but I think a lot of what's going mm-hmm. on down there is they're not Billy's guys yet. Right. I don't think they're going to give him time. Well, yo, yeah, and the media is already after him. But it again, it's we can talk Florida all we want about their issues, but like look at things that had happened in the past with other schools, uh, like like Nebraska. And we talked about Bo Pelini last time, right? Yeah, he was bad with the media. He had whatever it was. But the guy still mm-hmm. won nine football games, mm-hmm. right? Napier still is winning eight games, right? Okay, like, temper the expectations a little bit. Like, simmer him down. Give him some time. Not he everybody did... wins a national title in their second year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I understand. The other thing is I do understand – in Florida, why they are calling for his head because they do not want to fall behind the Georgias, the Tennessees, the Ole Misses. Well, in the state Alabamas. too, like yeah. there is a pecking order with Miami, Florida State. Yeah. Like they don't want to fall behind that, <clears throat> and I, and I get that, but like you just can't go off into Billy Napier. Who are you gonna go get? You don't like bring Urban back. <laughs> I mean, I. I it wouldn't surprise me if he would come back to a job like that. Mm-hmm. I think the job he would only want to go to right now is Notre Dame. Only because... Bucket list item. Yeah, it's a bucket list one. That's his last job he wants, and that would be it. But I don't know. Uh, another big one, we talked about Dave Clawson mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, one of his wide receivers is Jamal Banks. Came, this entered the portal. We'll talk to him. I was listening to something this morning a little bit ago about... How Rule absolutely loves this guy. Okay. Fits into the culture perfectly. He's a competitor, and he's like, they have these off-season things where they want them to go and attend, like, other sporting events, uh, come in and be on time for things, go to class, do all this. And apparently, the dude's already got 75 points. Yeah. On his team, and everyone else is behind him, and he's like, "You, you, you guys better keep up. So he's a leader. He's a leader. That's what Dude. we need. I mean, you that's... <laughs> it's it's something you never see on the field, but when you have a 
great leadership that it builds a team. A locker room guy. Oh, yeah. Definitely a locker room guy. You know, and like last year they picked their friends to kind of be the captains leaders. and then I think this year the coaching staff kind of picked leaders of those teams and went down that path. Uh big name came through too and Stefan Thompson. He played for Tony White at Syracuse. Okay. And people are always asking why didn't he come with Tony White in the beginning? Uh Tony White really loved Dino Babers. Okay. And he didn't want to raid the team. That's awesome. Yeah. And okay. Makes me love Tony White even more. Yeah. You know, and I I don't it just says a lot about a man's character that's like I Absolutely, love you. Yeah, I integrity. love you and I'm not going to do anything to you. But like Babers got fired and now he's like, "Okay, it's open fair game. season." <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Fran, but it's open season right now. I'm coming after my guys. So he comes over. I mean, he, I think he's an instant impact guy at, at the linebacker position. We're losing Luke Reimer. I think he could fall into the Luke Reimer spot where he kind of flies around the field, makes his tackles, uh, plays well in coverage, rushes real well, rushes the quarterback real well. Uh, he's just an all-around good linebacker, good football player. And they really need to keep, get more of those in, into the program in certain spots to help develop the kids behind them. Uh, Bly Hill is the last one. He's a cornerback of the FCS from St. Francis. And I don't know anything about this kid, but one thing that I know is he's got three years of eligibility and he wanted to play big-time college football. And somebody like Rule is going to be like, let's go. Well, yeah. I mean, at, at that point, it's like Rule likes him. I can get behind that. Of course. Right? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah you ha- I mean, you almost have to, you know, because if they watch the tape and they say that he can contribute and be a big-time factor at the next level, then let's do this. Like, let's, let's bring him in. Mm-hmm. You know, because it makes, it makes it better in those rooms to weed out the, to weed out the, the crap. Well, competition it yeah. you know, brings out the best in everybody. So yeah, let's get get some bodies in there and just see yeah. if see yeah. if he can get to the top. Who and he knows? may not. Yeah, he we don't not. know. He may not. You don't know. I see Oklahoma had a few. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm sure some of these guys were big time needs or more sure. or more of just depth pieces. Yeah, and I, I think we're going to get to some NIL talk. But so, like, a big issue going into the offseason with OU is offensive line. Yeah. And a lot of people are on Bill Biedenbaugh, who's the offensive line coach there at Oklahoma, because we lost uh, true freshman Caden uh, Green to Missouri. Well, I wouldn't, like, go, I wouldn't go to Missouri if I was him. I'd stay at Oklahoma. <clears throat> well, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a yeah. moment. But, uh, and then we had a lot of graduation with the offensive line so a big part of what OU was trying to do in the the transfer portal was we need to address offensive line uh but we'll start with Jake Roberts here the tight end out of Baylor that from all the sources I'm hearing is gonna he might be the biggest uh he's gonna maybe have the bit the biggest effect on the team uh tight end was also a position that needed to get better uh, after last year we had some guys that can block but the pass catching wasn't there and really we haven't had that guy since mark andrews left uh to that's a big, in Baltimore. big right. shoes to fill big shoes to fill was he a rural recruit or was he uh aranda guy i think he's an aranda guy because i think he's either a freshman or 
he was a freshman last year okay. or a sophomore last year. Okay. So, but uh, they had talked to the offensive coordinator, uh, one Gabe Eichard, who's a podcast I listened to, and they were very sad that Jake Roberts was leaving. So I think that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, probably a good teammate. Probably a good teammate, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's really what you're looking for in yeah. people anymore, good teammates. Uh, next on the list here we got Caden Woolard out of Miami, and I believe he is a linebacker. Um, don't know much about him, and from everybody I've heard, there isn't a whole lot on him yet. But as we were talking earlier with uh, Hill out of St. Francis, if there's a linebacker and Venables likes him, I feel pretty confident that at least he's going to come in and do something so yeah, at least be a piece of depth where they can slide him around on certain downs yeah right sure. right and now here's an interesting one uh you got casey thompson coming in it, it's pretty much a quarterback right oh yeah oh, but yeah. it's pretty much the agreement is hey you are the backup to jackson arnold yeah give him the leadership give him give him everything he needs and we'll call on you if needed but there's one problem I have with this. And What's that? He did go to Nebraska, so like right. we do know. I do know, you know Casey a lot pretty about well. Casey. Yeah. His dad. His dad actually played at OU. at OU. He's an OU alum. Here's the big thing that I think you have to worry about if you're Jackson Arnold. Okay, Casey is a big time competitor. He wants to play. He's gonna push. And he's gonna push you. <laughs> okay. Now, the other thing you have to realize is, is you tell him to take a back seat. He may be like, okay. But the minute Arnold struggles, he's going to be like, give me, see that door. give me the Open ball, up. and I'm going to show you. That's if I'm Jackson Arnold. That's where I'm a little worried. I mean, I think there's, yeah, there's there's signs to be worried there, especially after the, the bowl game that Jackson Arnold had. And, you know, I'm not freaking out over it. I mean, he had, like, four turnovers. Is his first start ever as a true freshman. How, how are you going to judge it on that? You just can't. Can't, especially because we're talking about that offensive line. That was the piecework offensive line that was put in yeah. after we lost a couple guys already. So I don't know how much of it. It looked like a lot of his throws were kind of a few seconds late, and things like that can be corrected. Mm-hmm. So, But, yeah, we'll see. Uh, hopefully Casey can bring the leadership, and it gives Jackson Arnold the push that he needs to take the next step. And I think Casey will do that. Mm-hmm. I really do. And, and even if Jackson does sit behind Casey for the first four games, mm-hmm. I think it will be be better. Be, be super beneficial, super beneficial for uh, for Jackson. All right. So next here we have Michael Tarquin. Uh, he was a tackle out of USC. Once again, another we we need to address the offensive line um, with Tyler Guyton going uh, to the NFL. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. And and you know what? I, I feel like he didn't play all that much last year. He didn't he was kind of hurt, banged up. Uh, but, but when you watch him play, he's so good. Him, he's a freak. So trying to backfill that position and Beaton Ball is going to have a group of guys where he's just going to put the best five out there. Maybe Tarquin's that guy or part of that group. We don't know yet, but uh, I'm all about bolstering that uh, that depth. And, and with that, you have, oh, my goodness. The <laughs> no- <laughs> it's the uh the guard out of north texas and in nawayu and wawu or something like that and wawu which it, i i do a lot of 
I, I listen to a lot of Gabe Eichard's mm-hmm. podcasts, and he is a former offensive lineman for OU. He hasn't said any bad things about these guys. He's like, yeah, you know, they need to come in and get a uh, winter in with the strength and conditioning, yeah. and maybe they can take the next steps. So and once again, more depth. Hopefully that can happen. I think he played with – I think Latrell recruited him. And I think that – familiarity there. Yeah, and I think he plays – he's he's listed as an interior offensive lineman, so he can play guard or center. What I probably feel is going to happen is he's going to play center there because he can help with the calls mm-hmm. because he knows Latrell's offense. And, you know, I, I forget which one of these offensive linemen, but there is one that was kind of smaller than the rest, right? And you should, that's typically your, your yeah. center, right? Yeah, so. you typically. But that doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you get a 6'9", 350 center. But <laughs> it's usually it's usually a guy that's 6'2", 290, you know, that plays that position. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, next up, we have Sam Franklin out of Texas Martin. He's a D2 guy. And so I would say it's hard to evaluate tape-wise, you know, is this guy going to come in and be a game-changer? But I think a lot of people are thinking he is. So right now Sawchuck is OU starting running back, but I think he's – they're looking at him as the change of pace guy to come in unless one of these young guys comes in and, like, steps up. So more depth there again. But, but yeah, like we were talking earlier with, like, with Bly Hill. Like, mm -hmm. if they could play at that level, let them play. Sure. That's yeah. really what it boils down to. And it is really sad. Tawi Walker, we lost him in the portal. He was a walk-on last year. Uh, it sounds like there's a bit of animosity between him and running back coach DeMarco Murray, and that's probably why he saw the door and is going to be playing at Wisconsin. So he's going to do he, great there. Or there was tampering. Tampering. I mean, yeah. it, it could be a number of different things. I, I don't... You, that running back coach runs that room. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to do what he says, you're yeah. like that's just really what it boils down to is you probably just aren't going to be I, there. And from what I've heard, DeMarco Murray's very old school, so if you get in the doghouse with him, I I feel like it's a hard one I to get it. out of. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But it's how he was coached. It's how he's coached. And but I don't think there was tampering because Tawi came back and he played in the bowl game even after he mentioned that he was going in the portal. So like he was like, hey, you know, I'm going to come back and at least – Play this one last game with you guys. That's fair. So, I just think he maybe he just wanted a different, different scene, different, different scene. And I think Wisconsin fits his running style better, like that Big Ten style. So, is he I, a bruiser? He's or, a bruiser. Is he? He okay. was our bruiser. Yeah. Great. We got another run, Dane. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Uh, Dion Burks he's out of Purdue, wide receiver. Wide receiver. Purdue, yeah. I was saying Jake Roberts might be the best get, but Dion Burks has got to be up there. Uh, a lot of uh, <clears throat> he's a good, he's good. Oh yeah, a lot he's of good. production there at Purdue, and put him in the slot after Drake Stoops has you know graduated. I think he fits in right there, and Drake Stoops was very productive there. So I could see that uh, transition very seamlessly um, there. Uh, next up, you have Dizon. Malone. He's from San Diego, San Diego State. State. I don't I don't remember where he played, but well, I mean he's San Diego State. He's still he's in a group of five, probably a grad transfer. Grad transfer, yeah. My, my. Uh Spencer Brown. So after the the Michigan State <laughs> the turmoil that they've had there, they've had some linemen leave. Uh this maybe crazy. I, yeah. 
out of all the offensive linemen that OU's gotten, I think that this is the one that I feel the best about. Obviously, he's got Power 5 experience, and once again, I'm leaning on Gabe Iker's assessment, but he, he sees that he could probably come in and be pretty productive here at Oklahoma. Is he going to play left or right tackle? Did they say? They haven't said. I, I imagine he's going to be... So Jacob Sexton, who's our returning tackle, it, he was playing right tackle last year. So it's it's whoever beaten ball is gonna feel it's, yeah. is gonna the safest at left tackle and protect Jackson Arnold. But uh, I mean, because Guyton Guyton played left tackle mm-hmm. last, last year, right? So he's, right, he's essentially well, no. Guyton was right. He was right. Left tackle was our transfer in from Stanford. Uh, names escaping me, but so yeah, Jacob Sexton, who who eventually stepped in when Guyton got banged mm-hmm. up. He could switch over to left tackle, or this the Spencer Brown could be the guy. So you know, like that's obviously a very pivotal piece on that offensive line. So we'll see. Yeah, I would want to put somebody that has experience in that offense on the left side. Mm-hmm. That's that's well, yes, I would. I would. Walter I was, Rouse. Walter Rouse, Rouse was our left tackle. Yeah, he was actually. Yeah, they were. All, he was down at Oklahoma, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I remember him? Yeah. Um, is he back? No, no. So he was a he was a transfer from Stanford. Uh, he's a super smart guy, which you know, most offensive linemen are. But uh, shocks you, but shocks, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're smart guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he graduated, so he'll be going on in the NFL. Okay. Which I, I think his play this year at OU has really bolstered his draft stock, and mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, Biedenbach can have another high round <clears throat> draft pick in an offensive lineman there. And out of all the names, Bauer Sharp, a tight end out of. Southeastern Louisiana. I love his name. Sharp. And Bauer. Bauer, yeah. yeah. Like, that's a football name. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's a that's a put my hand in the dirt, I'm going to put you on your ass name. Right. That's really what that is. When, when you already mentioned, you know, tight end was a position of need. Maybe he can come in there and uh, Jake Roberts. <clears throat> and then one of our top recruits, uh, Devin, Devon Mitchell, who was originally a five-star, and then he reclassified to come out a year earlier, and they mm-hmm. moved him down to a four-star. But you, out of all those guys, we're, they're going to be fighting for who's going to be first string, who's going to be second string. So <clears throat> I love the competition, and I think out of all of it, hopefully we'll see better tight end play than we did last year. So yeah. You guys got one more, though, didn't you? Yes. Uh, it was a late addition to when we were making this list. It was uh, Gear and Hatchet. So we are I think last time talking about all these these players leaving from Washington, Alabama. This is a, a Washington guy. He's an interior offensive lineman who played on a national championship team. Yeah. So you talk about the experience that come that he brings. Uh, he could great play. Piece. Yeah, 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 he could play center. I I don't know. Like that's the thing is we really you really won't know until they hit hit you know spring ball. But true, you know it's like you look at Washington. They lost. Even some recruits in that, like yesterday was, or Wednesday, right? Wednesday was mm-hmm. National Signing Day for the um, real National Signing yes, Day. Yes, yeah, yeah. And like Nebraska was able to get Keona, uh, Keona Wilhite out of, from Washington too. Okay. He's out of Arizona, but you're able to flip him after he came out uh, of his Washington commit. So that's a big, That's a, he's an edge rusher, big thing there oh, too. But okay. As Rule says, I just want to get a bunch of good players and get them in there and figure it out. So. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like the same philosophy there at yeah. Oklahoma. And I will say that Hatchet, there was a little bit of, hey, if we get him, maybe we can get his younger brother who was there at, at Washington as well. Was not the case. Yeah. But it's at least 
we have that door open now. Could happen. Yeah, it's not always mm-hmm. not always going to happen. You get one, you're not always going to get the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? It just it's just one of those things. It's a crazy thing. But I mean, that that was a lot. We we the there's a lot of transfer going on. You it's know, obviously. everywhere though. It's everywhere. It's crazy because you know back in the day it felt like you knew had an idea how what your team's going to look like next year and with the transfer portal it's like who you don't knows? you just don't yeah like uh, like rule has even said he's like you could go to a school get recruited by a school that loses all their quarterbacks and then mm-hmm. they go to the portal and they get four mm-hmm. and you just don't know and he's like but if as you see on a transfer list for Nebraska there wasn't a quarterback on there mm-hmm. that tells you they're going to go into spring to see what it what they got see what's going on and he has said, full disclosure, he said in a press conference was, we will look for a transfer quarterback in May okay. if something doesn't work out or somebody gets hurt, which is a big thing there. You know, that is a, that's a giant thing for them to be open about and say, this is what we're going to do. Sure. Because most teams don't, don't disclose their plan. No. But, I mean, he's been pretty transparent. He, he said, hey. This is how much it costs to get a quarterback in the portal right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and you know what? Kudos to him Kudos. for for having the stones to throw that one out there. I mean, but that also goes into what we're going to talk about next with like the whole NIL thing, mm-hmm. you know, and everything that's going on there. Like, look at what Tennessee and Virginia did this past week with suing the NCAA for antitrust. Yeah. That, I mean, my God, that's that's some stones there. But it kind of feels like... It's every, different this time. Yeah, it feels like it's different this time because I know we talked about this the other day. And I've been talking to people about it as well, too, where they're like, well, why did the states do that? Well, what happened was, was when you do the research and look at everything with it, what happened was is the NCAA is saying that they violated the NIL rules, what Tennessee did mm-hmm. when they... When they recruited Nico, I'm not going to say his last name because it's it's a tongue twister. Uh, by giving him an NIL deal when they recruited him, right? But it never said anything within the rules and the guidelines that they couldn't do that. Well, aren't they trying to get them on like a n- new rule that they put in place, and that wasn't what Tennessee was going off of when they made yes. that deal? Yes, because what happened was like from what it sounds like is they 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 were they had the original rules and then a rule flipped, mm-hmm. and then they didn't disperse that rule and tell them that they couldn't do that or whatever it was, and they're like you're in violation. They're like it doesn't say it there. Well, the rules changes are coming so fast and furiously. Yeah. Like how does a like a, a program keep up with it? When you've got 85 scholarship players and it's just too much going on, and and you and I have talked about it, like it seems like the next piece, and it might not be like tomorrow, but like the next thing that's going to make a clearer, better product is that these guys are eventually going to have to become university employees. Well, they're going to have to. Yeah, and there's going to have to be contracts. I mean, Dartmouth already did that with their basketball team. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at that whole thing and you say to yourself, that is insane, but it's kind of the way it's got to go. And I listen, like I listen to Husker Doc Talk all the time, mm-hmm. and Dougie Wall. I sent you that. Sure, I don't know yeah. if you listened to it. Yeah, but I'm going to. He yeah. basically said everything's everything nil stuff's going to become in house, and everybody's going to have to be become uh, university employees. Right. And it's the only way they can manage that. Now, the downfall to all that is you pretty much lose your compliance department. 
and you're going to have to create collective bargaining un- unions and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. There's going to be a players union. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But full of 18-year-olds. Yes, full of 18-year-olds <laughs> that shouldn't be making decisions like that, but they're going to need a real adult in the room to take care of that one. But like back to the whole thing with Tennessee and Virginia, like the federal government has stepped in and sided with them. The days of the NCAA might be numbered oh yeah for for the FBS side. Now, it could be Division Two, II, Division Three regulations. Olympic sports, all yep. that will still be in-house, yep. within, or not in-house, but within CAA. Yep. And the thing with that I've been hearing is that like people that are at the Division Two and Division Three level are trying to tell the Big Ten teams, the SEC teams, the ACC and the Big 12 teams how to do business. They have no idea. It's because they want an even playing field, too. Sure. We all get that. But you guys don't get the TV revenue that those conferences are getting. And we're, that's we're entering where, this new era. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just, it's not going it, to, unfortunately, and it, 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 there's a big difference, I would say, between Big 12, and or not Big 12, Big 10, SEC, and then, like, the ACC and it's the giant. Big 12. It's giant. And those are all Power 5 schools. Yeah. Because you see Florida State suing ACC right now mm-hmm. because they basically locked them into a deal with them that ESPN said it's this or nothing mm-hmm. that doesn't get renegotiated until 2035. Right. Right? I would never sign that. And it's a scary place to be if you're a Florida State right now or a Clemson. I mean, because I, I feel like both of those programs are definitely good enough to be in, like, let's say those top two, the Big Ten and the SEC. Of course. Do do one of those conferences open the door for them? I mean, I would imagine the Big Ten would love it, even though it's kind of an SEC country, but you're getting the eyeballs from yeah. Florida that you don't have. It, it would just be different recruiting grounds that would open that up. I mean, that's mm. really what it boils down to. I mean, there, if anybody from the ACC was going to go to the Big Ten, it would be Miami. Ooh. Because... Think about academic standards. Yeah, not only academic standards, but think about when you look at kind of the whole uh, portfolio of the Big Ten. They mm-hmm. have New York City and Rutgers. City. Okay. They have LA and mm-hmm. UCLA and USC. They have Chicago and Illinois. They Maryland. have DC. Yeah. And then you would get Miami and Southern Florida. Mm-hmm. It makes a whole lot of sense for the Big Ten to go after a Miami over a Florida State. Or even Florida or whoever. True, yeah. Miami because, brings in lots of eyeballs. And think about think about an Ohio State Miami game. Think about a Michigan Miami. Think about USC Miami, Nebraska Miami. That's a giant rivalry right there. Or if you ever get Notre Dame in there with them. Exactly. How did I forget about that? Like if we're talking about teams yeah. that are left out, the the rivalry there that from with Notre Dame and like Miami back in the eighties. Like, yeah, but uh, like that's all of this stems from this whole NIL thing, mm-hmm. and it's changing the landscape. Yeah, it's it's big time change. Like you sent me that podcast from the guy who runs the OU, mm-hmm. the OU one, and I listened to it, and I was, I was like, oh my god, yeah, you know, like these schools that are in these giant conferences are spending billions of dollars right. on their NIL. And because we haven't set up the guardrails yet, it is... It's the Wild West. It's the Wild West. And right now, it kind of behooves schools to just go out there and spend obscene amount of money. 
you have a school like Ole Miss or Missouri and Ohio saying, State. Ohio State. Well, I mean, they're a little bit different being because they're a blue blood, but, but they're still they're still spending that money. Ole Miss and Mizzou, like, oh, this is our time. We can finally catch up yeah. with the big boys and because the OU lineman you were talking about, mm-hmm. he ended up jumping. Yeah, oh yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll get to this here. So yeah, Caden Green. Uh, on that podcast, they mentioned him quite a bit, and the guy that runs OU's collective said that there was, without a doubt, tampering involved there because he was been very quiet with the uh, the collective, and when they were in time to talk their new contract or whatever it is that they give these college players, <clears throat> it sounds like his dad was going out and talking to other programs and. Missouri said, hey, we're going to give you five times the amount that uh, that OU's paying you. Well, OU doesn't really run that way. And uh, it sounds like Nebraska does too. If you listen to this podcast, and I'll I'll post a link or description down when we, we, we upload this here. But uh, essentially, OU runs their NIL much like a front office does in the NFL. And I think that they see what the future holds and right now it is the Wild West, but eventually it's going to get to the point where it will behoove them to run this program like a front office. So they have evaluations of every player and what they're worth, and it's like, well, we love you, guy, but you know, five times the amount really doesn't, yeah, <laughs> bye-bye. We, lo- we love you, but bye-bye. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they were even willing to come up a little bit off of what they were going to offer, but yeah, uh, when... I think OU offers all of their uh, football players like was it thirty something thousand dollars a year? It was twenty six. Twenty six. I, I think it was twenty six. Yeah, twenty six thousand for every football player. And I think that's a big venable thing. He doesn't want it to become yeah. a locker room issue, which I think that you saw maybe at Miami or Texas A and M when you're bringing on all these kids that are getting millions of dollars. You you could stay. What what Oklahoma is trying to breed is like, yeah, you, you're not going to be getting paid as much, but you're going to be staying here. You're going to be coached better than any of those other programs that I just mentioned. You're going to have a better shot at winning a national title, and we're going to try to make a better culture than, like, give me that money. Yeah, yeah. but un- but unfortunately, it... it I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, they, money, money is... Money's going to weigh yeah, this out, yeah. and until they they even talked about it on there about instilling a salary cap and i'm mm-hmm. like 100 percent for that sure because i don't want this to become baseball no like i no. cannot i just get so tired of seeing the dodgers and the yankees and the playoffs every year like yeah i don't want to see that with college football and i would like you know we're already moving towards this new era right and it sounds like it's gonna go towards like what we're seeing with the nfl kind of maybe like that's kind of your template and I'm all right with that. The NFL is a great product. It's just, it's just, it's going to require some change for like a traditional college football fans. Do I love it? No, I, I, I love the old days of college football, but it's not going back to yeah. that. Yeah, and it, you like look at look at what Dion does over in Colorado, and he's like, we're gonna miss on a lot of really good Colorado kids because we're gonna go to the transfer portal. We don't right. care. And same with Ole Miss, they're same doing the same Miss. thing, you know, because they're gonna spend that NIL money on players that. Apparently, we're given scholarships, but didn't work out. Now, we talked last time, they don't always work out. I was going to say, well, talk about the amount of stress that puts on your program. Because it's like, oh, yeah, we, we went out and we spent like $30 million, which is what A&M did. Yeah. Well, $30 million, you better have a good team. Or like, yeah. Like and it didn't Jimbo work out. Jimbo was out the door now because yeah, of that. They, <laughs> yeah. Again, they backed the Brinks truck uh-huh. up. 
and they dumped all that money on him mm-hmm. to get him out of there. I mean, kudos for him to get in that bag, but mm-hmm. at the same time, though, it it doesn't like NIL is also going to be the death of college football. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's because some like this. I don't know. The kicker is going to be upset because the the punter makes more money. You know, and that shouldn't be how it is. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, that's what's going to happen. Right. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, I I don't know where where like I said, the the next step is getting these guardrails in place, and I don't know how long that takes. But I mean, I imagine your your big time blue blue blood college programs want that as soon as possible because there's also been talk that the big 10 and the sec are going to form kind of an alliance yes and be kind of been meeting right yeah they've been meeting and Mm -hmm. they said that they're going to be like the semi-pro league for the nfl now if that happens and you're the ncaa you're screwed you're You're done you're done you're done those are the two those are the two biggest names and program or conferences and if they get together and overthrow you, you you've got nothing You've got nothing. I ultimately think that you should take all of the conference commissioners because sure. they're all smart enough in, and, and make everything. their own organization. To come up, it, Division One mm-hmm. or FBS in a, for the biggest thing. Make a rules committee. Exactly. Or yeah. Take all the conference commissioners, sit them all in one room, have them talk about it and work it out. Not like equal profit sharing because that's not always can't that's, do that. that's not always fair. What like they always say, what's what's right is not always fair, or right. what's fair is not always right. You know, because like a team like Middle Tennessee State, they're not going to get as many eyeballs as a Florida. No, nope. you know, so you have to find the right television contract for those guys to get them to have some sort of money that they can start building up to go and get these kids. But you have to do that collectively. You just can't sit there and say, "I'm the Big Ten. I'm the SEC. We're gonna you we're, can't do yeah yeah. We're gonna demand X, Y, and Z because you always are gonna demand X, Y, and Z. But a team like I don't know New Mexico State, they're I mean no yeah they're not on the same playing no, field they're as not. An Alabama like, or Georgia. Can you get can you get them to have something that's more of you know a one point two million dollar viewage? Thing, yeah, probably, but what's that going to get them for football players? Probably nothing more than what they have right now. No, you know that's the no. thing. But they have to come up with a plan and they have to figure something out because if we don't, you know, what do you do? They will. I mean, I, I, God, I don't have the numbers on this or anything, but we're talking about popularity in American sports. NFL's number one, but. I think college football is like they're above NBA, they're above baseball. Like it's it's funny that it, like college football is above all these other professional sports. So that means like there's a lot of money involved, and the powers that be, I don't think they're gonna let that. They're not gonna screw it up. No, right? no. 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 So they'll figure it out. It just the way they've done it so far has been piss poor. I don't know how you do it in a better way, but I, I think it is gonna eventually. We'll we'll get to a place where it's better at least. It's like I said, it's never it's never going yeah. back to the way it was. But yeah. it's an ever it's an ever evolving thing, and they're gonna get it. They'll get it figured out. But right now, you're just like guys, like you're watching watching a bunch of people fight with each other, and it's not beneficial to anybody. Like you said, the the, the Tennessee lawsuit, Virginia Virginia the, lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. The, those I think are 
you know, 10 years down the line, you're going to be like, that was yeah. kind of like the, the death blow there. Yeah. But, um, well, I think, think that's enough NL, NIL talk. And I was going to say, before we end this today, I had a couple of questions just to, since this is a new podcast, we'll learn a little bit m- new, more information about us. Oh, I like this. Yeah, okay. So I have a couple questions here. Joe, why are you a Nebraska fan? Well, I grew up in Omaha. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, Nebraska football was kind of the, the thing in the as long as I remember. In I mean, late, if you're from Nebraska. Yeah, you're... like in the late 80s, in the late 80s, all the way through the 90s. Osborne was yeah, on top. It, it was really hard to not root for the team. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't get to see a lot of the... When I was a child, we didn't get to see a lot of the games. So they were, they were on the radio, and I remember listening to a lot of them with, like, my family and just really enjoying that time because we would sit there and we'd listen and, and whenever we lose my dad would get mad and I'm like dad it's just a game but that was very few and far between very far, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so when they lost it was like crap oh yeah amplified you know? yeah it was like it was like all the way up there you know mm-hmm. but as I had gotten older and continued continue to watch them you know honestly I know I talked last time about how I think some of the fans are overboard it's really about the fans mm-hmm. you know you mentioned the sellout streak. It's mm-hmm. there. Uh, if you you went to a Nebraska game, you got to experience. The fans were so nice. Exactly, but like yeah. it's the atmosphere there yeah, too. Yeah, it's it's a very welcoming. They're diehards, but they're not. Yes, it's not like you're. It's not like Raiders fans, right? Yeah, and <laughs> I'm sure. And I'm sure when OU won, they said, "Hey, man, good game." Uh, oh yeah, right. Like yeah. the the really diehard fans are the ones that are like, "Good game," and then and then they leave. They're mad. They're worried about their program. Yeah. They're not. They're, they're no mad that they lost. Towards the other one. They're mad that they're yeah. lost, but we're like, can't win them all. No. You know, we're very practical. And that's the big thing that I that I really like love about being a Nebraska fan is they're practical. Yeah. And not all of them are, but most of them that really follow the program to like that nth degree, they are. Mm-hmm. Right? You listen to a lot of former players. They will give you honest reviews. They will tell you everything. And I, I watch a lot of those things. A lot of things I don't even send you. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll sit on YouTube at nights after work. Watching fan and, and I'll and No, things. I'll watch, like, the radio shows oh. that, were, that were being put out the day before. And I like to listen to, like, certain personalities because I trust their opinion more than I trust uh, some other ones. Or, sure. even, or even, like, media outlets like Josh Pate oh, yeah. or them. Because these guys, like... They know what it's like. Like, I remember listening to one and like Jay Foreman, who was one of our old linebackers who played in the NFL. He was just so brutally honest, mm-hmm. and I really appreciated that. Oh yeah, because if you're gonna don't sugarcoat it, be real about it. Just do that. Right. Don't attack the players. Don't attack the yeah. coaches. But you can be honest in a fair way. Yeah, because yeah. they they said that they were brought down to Lincoln to assess everything, and they gave them their assessment. And they did the exact opposite, and his exact words were, then don't call me again. Excuse me. Don't call me again to do that, because I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not wasting my time. You wasted my time. And I, re- and I appreciate the realness of that whole thing, but going back to why, I was, why I'm a fan is it's just, it's all I know. Sure. And it's, I grew up around it, and I grew up wanting, I, actually, I really wanted to play linebacker at the university, university as a as a child, like oh, yeah. I did, that was one of my my dream things was that. But like, unfortunately, I had some like health issues as a child where they're like, you can't 
you can't play anything physical mm-hmm. like football or rugby or anything like that because they were afraid something could severely happen. Sure. Was I upset? I was I was heartbroken. I was devastated. Yeah. You know, I wanted to play wanted to play middle linebacker there, but knowing like if you see me and you see my height, <laughs> they would have put me at fullback. That what's what that's what would happen. <laughs> but it's what it is. What well, about I mean, you? obviously yeah. playing at the yeah. University of Nebraska, that's yeah. that's hard to get to that level. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it, it is. But, like, it's it's the hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have that kind of that ethic to kind of want to put the work in to build yourself and be the best that you can, it, even just in anything in life, right, it's just not going to work. It's you're, true. If you're going to try to skate by, like, some of the kids – in football these days, try to skate by mm-hmm. and just go where the money mm-hmm. is. That it's... previous regime there at Nebraska. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Two-hand touch practices. That no no longer going to be the case there. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that <laughs> no. way. It, I mean, I get you don't want your kids to get hurt, but... you gotta, you got to practice physicality. You, you, yeah, because yeah. game day, you're, you can't expect them to tackle. Mm-mm. You can't expect somebody to, you know, sit in a boardroom and play on their phone and then tell them, hey, you lead this meeting. They're not going to know what to do. You know, what about you? Like Why are that. you? In well, I'm an Oklahoma fan. Well, I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, grew up in the Bob Stoops era, oh, so I, I think I was fourth grade when they won the national title in 2000, and then just seeing the stream of Big Twelve championship after Big Twelve championship, and players like Adrian Peterson and Jason White and Sam Bradford and Demarco Murray. Uh, it was very hard not to, not to be a fan of Oklahoma. And we we live here in Kansas City, but during that time, it felt like an identity to mm-hmm. me. It's like, well, that's where I came from, yeah. and like you, you know, I Bob Stoops was very much about like we're we're gonna do this thing the right way. It's like you're you're gonna work hard and um, no excuses. And so like I very much that resonates with me and. Uh, I think it resonates with a lot of Oklahomans with who they are as people, much like kind of like your Nebraska, like it's the Midwest, like we're, we're just going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and get stuff done. So uh, that's why, I mean, obviously very dominant program, uh, seven national titles. And at this point I've lost count of the Heismans, but uh, it's hard not to be a fan, especially when you're from there. So um, like you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you grow up around it. It's, mm-hmm. it. It becomes in your blood. If you're a sports fan, you know, not everybody likes football. Mm-hmm. We understand that, but we happen to really do enjoy that. Well, okay, so I I, I mentioned a, a couple of college football players, but mm-hmm. out of who is your favorite college football player? And I, it doesn't even have to be Nebraska. Well, I mean, it's very hard. It, that's a tough one mm-hmm. because I, I watched a lot of a lot of the kids growing up. Um, I really don't have just one. just one. Okay, I don't well, have who's your one. Mount Rushmore? Okay, my Mount Rushmore, of course, is going to be Indominus Sue okay. because number one, one of the most dominant defensive ever, players, yeah, ever to have ever stepped foot on there. Um, I'm just going to do my Mount Rushmore of Nebraska players. Okay, let's just do that. Okay. Uh, so there's that. There's Tommy Frazier for sure. Mm-hmm. Brooke Beringer. Okay. Uh, Beringer. Probably more than Frazier. Uh, Beringer means kind of a lot to my family. Uh, my younger brother actually has a football signed by him. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. He was in this, like, this 
thing that Osborne used to do back in the day where the football players would come to schools and he met Brooke, brought him a football and Brooke signed it with his number. Brooke's no longer with us, unfortunately. Uh, But he was kind of the locker room guy in 94 and 95 to keep that together. Oh, yeah. So, like, he's really, he's probably in front of Tommy. And Tommy, because of his tenacity and the fact that he had blood clots one year, came back and finished Second in the Heisman Trophy, won a national yeah, title. Yeah, one national, one two national titles. Finished two national titles. You know, like he's he's just an animal. And then I would have to probably say, uh, if we're gonna, I'll just give you. Uh, I would probably say uh, Lawrence Phillips. Lawrence Phillips, okay. And I'm gonna stop there. Uh, in my opinion, or even among him and Amon Green are the two there. Sure. Uh, Arguably the best running backs to come out of that, out of that school. Oh yeah. Um, Amon had a very long NFL career, and did very well with the Packers. Even though he was drafted by the by the Seahawks, got traded over, had a really good career there. And Lawrence Phillips had so much talent, so much talent. The he's no longer with us either. But the problem with with Lawrence was is he couldn't stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he never got kicked off of the Nebraska football team was because Osborne knew if he said bye-bye to him, he was done. Mm-hmm. He was, there was nothing more he had. So football life. was holding them together. Football held them together. You know, and Good. You know, these coaches, man, they're like, like a surrogate father. Like they, yeah. they have to be there for them. And like kudos to the ones that give players second chances and understand yeah. like what it means. Yeah. And he would—he mm-hmm. was a tough runner. Mm-hmm. He was drafted in the top ten by the Rams, and got himself into a bunch of trouble. And then went over to NFL Europe for the Niners, made a resurgence there, and then fell back into trouble again. Yeah, he just—he just couldn't stay out of it, you know. And that's the problem, you know. And it's—it's it's really hard to to rank those guys to sure. say where they are. But if I Different had positions, yeah, and... for like for my top five, I would say that that's that, just because it's. It's not one player from the state of Nebraska, you know, that's that. I I won't sugarcoat it. I, I never really followed many other programs until a lot later in life. Mm-hmm. I really only followed Nebraska. No, I don't think that's – I think that's typical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I became more of – I've become more of a, a fan of just college football. football in general, Especially when you have the opportunity to watch the smaller teams on a Tuesday night. Dude, or, I love that. Or, or Friday night. Yeah, or, or which Thursday you're not even seeing more of the Pac-12 after dark. It's upsetting because mm. you you could come home and catch the second half of a game. I mean, you could be watching football from, what I mean, especially when you have, like, when Nebraska went over to Ireland. Did they play an early game that day? I mean, early game for us, yeah. Yes. Was it I 11 a.m.? I think so. It was okay. either 11 a.m. or 1. But so, I mean, 11 a.m. is usually your earliest kick, but if you can watch college football from for 11 a.m. to like 12 or 1 at night, like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, that, that's what made it so great. Like, uh-huh. you, you could always say, oh, I caught a game. Uh-huh. You know, whether you, whether it was, you know. Or even if at work, they're playing on the TVs in the background. It, it, I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. My eyes are always over Checking seeing the scores, what's going on. seeing the plays. Yeah. yeah. I I just I'm just a natural lover of of the sport and, you know, those are just the the five that come to me. Okay. What about you? Okay. Just so, do the top 5 since top I did five. Top Yeah, five. yeah. I I think the more and more you talked about it, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to go cuz it's hard to just say one player. Top 5. So, you, you were talking about you wanting to be a linebacker for Nebraska when I was younger. 
I wanted to play quarterback at Oklahoma, which I'm sure is the dream of every kid in Oklahoma wants to be, or a lot, we should say. But uh, so I grew up in the early era of Stoops, and so first one would be Jason White for me, Heisman winner. Um, I, I love his story coming back after two blown out knees and still doing it. Oh, yeah. um, that was a great story. Uh, then right after him, you had Adrian Peterson, who's I was lucky enough to get to see one college football game from him, and then once when he was a, a Viking when he came here and played the Chiefs. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. He's just he, he's a generational guy. Yeah, just like Sue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and once this is gonna be a quarterback heavy list because, like I said, I I love quarterbacks. Uh, next one would be Sam Bradford. Uh, I'd never seen another quarterback. That he he prototypical he's you know he's like your six three guy he per, like the most precise thrower I, I really wanted it to work out for him in the NFL you know another Heisman winner and he was a Native American so that like tied into nice. the he's an Oklahoma City guy nice. um which I think Jason White was also from Oklahoma Tuttle mm-hmm. which is always cool to see that those guys Grow up and get to play there. Yeah, um, Bradford didn't really have such a great pro career. He bounced no. back and back around. Well, those but... injuries started to stack up from yeah. that shoulder. Yeah. Um, and then so we got three now. Uh, I'll say my 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 favorite for last. I know who the favorite is. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put a defensive player in here, and I think. My favorite defensive player that ever played at OU, or at least you know, since I've been watching it, I didn't get to see the seventies and the eighties and all that. But uh, Gerald McCoy, I mean, we're, we're talking about another guy who grew up in Oklahoma City, got to play there, and was probably like the last like really good defensive player that OU's had. And I I think that's going to change here soon. But uh, you know, went on to be a all pro guy there at the Buccaneers and when he was there on that uh 07 08 team like that was a good team they, they, those were some good teams he held down that defensive line and then my favorite player uh and I, I think this is the case for a lot of Oklahoma fans because it embodies what I was talking about with like the hard work and resilience is Baker Mayfield I mean his story is one of the best I think in college football uh the the walk-on um and and even here in the NFL, it still continues that he, people keep doubting him. He responds. He, I love it. Yeah. I, I love it. it you know, it, and I know he turns a lot of people off with his attitude, and I think he's really toned it down since he was in college. But he has a he has a. If anybody, I'm going to give a pass to with their attitude. It's going to be Baker, for it, that reason. It really turns the locker room around. He he is able to like. I think when he went in there to Tampa Bay was able to pull that locker room together because that, that is the kind of leadership you can get around. And, like, that guy's going to go out there and, like, butt heads with people without a helmet on. Like, yeah. But he, like, <laughs> he's a he, psycho. But he was a walk-on at uh, Tech, at Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Lost and, to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, lost the job to Mahomes and then transferred to OU as still as a walk-on, Did I, you, if I'm not mistaken. I'll tell you a story because I don't know – if you're not an OU fan, I don't know if you'll know this – but he he walked on to OU without notifying the football staff. Really? Just showed up to the first meeting one day, and he went up and introduced himself to Bob Stoops and said, "Hey, I'm here to play football." <laughs> I love it. And Bob Stoops was like, "Oh, okay." And he's what? like, obviously knew of him because he yeah. played at Texas Tech, and he's like, "All right." 
Yeah, and this man. was just when we were talking about this earlier. OU had just won the Sugar Bowl against uh, Alabama, and Trevor Knight had the game of his life. Yeah. So it's like you want to. It, it seems like this thing's pretty locked down. Are you sure you want to? And like he had the balls to come in there, and it's like no. And he beat I'm Trevor Knight play, out. Beat Trevor yeah. Knight out. I'm gonna be the quarterback yeah. at Oklahoma. Like that is is awesome. Yeah, so. yeah, that, yeah. I remember when that happened. I was like, what What's going on here? <laughs> and then. Because he walked on there, and mm-hmm. like I was like, this dude walked onto two football programs. Mm-hmm. Nobody gave him a shot at either one of them, and then ends up being the number one draft pick number one in draft the pick. NFL Heisman winner. Yeah, and wow. a Heisman winner. You can't take that away from him. You mm-hmm. can't. That experience for him. And if OU had a defense in twenty seventeen, oh, they would have. They, they probably would have won it. It would have been lethal. Probably would have won it because I mean they took Georgia to the the wire. I think it was overtime. Yeah. So. And Georgia had some okay teams, okay teams during that time, but they're not like oh, what they were. That was the Chubb and uh, Sony Michelle team. They weren't that good though. No. Outside of outside of Chubb and Sony, they weren't yeah. that good. And I think Swift was like their third back. It's just like, good lord. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and then Roquan, Roquan was on that team too. Bears are idiots. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I grew up a Bears fan too, and like watching them trade Roquan Smith, the next Brian Urlacher. I like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It doesn't make any sense. You and have, now the Ravens are just, they have the most solid defense because of that. With Roquan and, and Patrick, Patrick Queen. Queen. Yeah. God dang, man. That Both of those guys can run and read at a very high level. All right, so this is the last question I'm going to ask here. What was your favorite season as a Nebraska fan? 2010. 2010. The last 20, year in the Big 12. 2010, last year in the Big 12. Okay, and this is because of Sue? No. I mean, yes and no. Yes and no? Yes and no, but that that was a hardworking football team. Right. That's, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for them. Anywhere. Uh-huh. All year. They had easy. to pull it together to get to the, the Big 12 championship. Yeah. Yep. And it that's the reason. Was, it, was that the first Martinez? That was Taylor. Taylor Martinez. Yeah, it was Taylor Martinez. Oh. And again, he's a lot like Baker. Nobody mm-hmm. really gave him a chance, but, but Polini and like even Amir Abdullah... On that team too, it's a good team. But like they had so many good football players on that team that people wrote off on, wrote off uh-huh. that they recruited very well, and that team was just tenacious. And yeah. They were hungry, and it was the last year of Sue. Yeah, but you heard Mac Brown say, "Who you worried about?" Number ninety one, and he I took mean, on five guys on that whole. He took on that whole offensive line. Was it still the year before? Texas kind of got away with it in the Big 12 champ. Well, not kind of. They got away with it in the Big 12 championship because Sue was wrecking shop then too. But right? they didn't. That was the year. No, that was the year that they they got away with it in the Big 10, Big 12 championship. And then in the next year they played OU. Yes, right? yeah. I think so. I think I believe so. But I remember that ball going out of bounds and hitting going out of bounds at zero, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit, we just won the Big 12 championship. They're like, there's no, there's one second left. I'm like, you guys are fucking beat crazy. the undefeated. Texas team. Yeah, and yeah. then because Justin Tucker went out there and kicked that field goal and won it, and I was like, "You, God damn it, we just got, we got, got hosed. We got stole. It's, got they hosed. stole it from yeah. us." That's and, what happens when the Big Twelve officials are all from Texas. And <laughs> well, yes, and at some point I would say, at at some point I would say Texas ruined the Big Twelve. Oh yeah, they for, are to blame for a lot of it. You know, that's why Upset you see Missouri, Colorado, yeah, Nebraska. Nebraska. Yep. They they all left because mm. Texas was 
we want we want the biggest piece of the pie. We get you are the biggest university. We get it. But there's everybody else underneath us. True. Can't have a conference with just one team. No. God, no. Or, or like the, the spoiled child mm-hmm. team. Oh, yeah. So. They are very much the spoiled child. You, know, you talk about the hard work and all that. That usually isn't what you're talking about when you talk about Texas. I mean, we're shitting on Texas. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. It's not and, hard to do, though. That's and a lot of people thing. like to qualify them as a uh, blue blood, but it's like, you know, they have they had a couple good years in the late 60s, early 70s, yeah. and then... I mean, Daryl... D- DKR. D- DKR had some is an teams. OU alum. Yeah, he had some Takes good. an OU alum to go in there. Yeah. Yeah, he had some good teams there. But... And then Vince Young. Like, you have to have a generational talent, but, I mean... We can in a later episode we can get into all the issues at Texas. We but. can we can shit on Texas for a, for a full hour if we want to, but we're not going to do that right now. No. What about you? What was your favorite season? Favorite season for me, uh, you know, I, it, it going to talk about one of my favorite players here. It wasn't Baker, but I would say it was '08. Uh, it was with Sam Bradford, and you had Demarco Murray. Uh, and you had Gerald McCoy, and that was the year I think OU at the time had set a record for like most points scored in a season. That offense was lethal. Um, you had the game against Texas that they lost in the the Cotton Bowl. Um, OU's line starting linebacker had gotten out or got hurt, and then just the the last like two months or like I'd say that November, where Texas Tech, Oklahoma. Texas are all vying for a spot in the Big 12 championship, and they're all in the top 10. So it's like whoever is the number one out of all that is likely going to be playing in the national title. Uh, obviously, you had Crabtree taking down Texas. It was great. One what of the a, best games I'd ever what seen. What an animal. Um, and then uh, it eventually OU, I think, house Texas Tech. I think it was like 65 to like 13 or something like that. And that... You know, Bob Stoops knew how to play the BCS. He's like, okay, we beat the crap out of this team. We're going to jump. Eventually ended up playing Mizzou in the the Big 12 championship and winning and playing that Tebow Florida team, which uh, DeMarco Murray was hurt. uh, And I think Major Wright, like one of the first plays, OU had a receiver out to like catch it. Oh, my God. It would be targeting today. But, yeah, Yeah. killed him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I remember that game. I do remember that game because that kind of set the tone. Oh, yeah, it set the tone. Set the tone for Oklahoma, that game, and it did not go very well. It did not go well. I mean, I think it was a 10-point game. Or I, I can't remember the score. But, but they were they were, they couldn't match the physicality. Not, that's, it, that's for sure. No, that was a great team. but yeah. On both sides. Both sides, yeah, both sides. But, yeah, that was my favorite season, and like like I said, I think – uh, Bradford won the the Heisman that year, and it was it was a special season. I would have loved if they could have closed it out with a title, but still, even without one, that was one of my favorites. So, all right, man. I think that's enough for to for this week's episode. For sure, be a, another two week gap, and then we'll cover some more. I'm sure the college football gods will have enough material oh, for yeah. us. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on. We'll, we'll have some more NIL <laughs> stuff to talk about for sure. Transfer portal. Yeah. When does that open back up? Because there's... Well, it's... I mean, it opens back up uh, after spring practices. After spring like practices. May 15th, I think, is when it opens. Uh, but you could... They, as I said, they can go in there anytime and get kids in. It's all going to be based on numbers, but we're going to start to see some departures 
in Lincoln, and I'm sure we'll start to see sure. some in Oklahoma too. Like when you see, like, okay, this is what the depth chart's going to get a lot, or what's yeah. it's going to look like. I'm sure both coaches are going to be like, rules very good at sitting people down and being like, it's probably not going to happen. Probably here. you're probably not going to get any playing time here. You if you probably should look elsewhere. What do they call it? Getting processed. Yeah. Well, he's <laughs> but he'll be he'll look at him and be like, we we would really love to keep you, but yeah, if you want, I think play, it speaks to the love to. he has for the players. Is like you know, as much as he'd love to keep you and have you on the team, but he wants you to have that opportunity yeah. to go make a name for yourself too. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a big plus. And I know I'm sure Venables is the same. Oh way yeah. Too. Oh yeah. He wants what's best for him, and if not there's not the best for him, then go find out what find where it is. So. Yeah. All right, man. I'm going to close this out. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. All right.